Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast, a place for kingdom-minded songwriters to grow in their craft and community. Well, howdy there, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Oh, you threw a y'all in. I did. Wow. From Texas, you got, we have to use y'all in every sentence. Yeah, I was going to say this several episodes ago. We talked about different people that we sound like. Oh, yes. Right? Eric is Jason Bateman. I get Paul Rudd a lot. You, though. Oh, no. I feel, no, this is good. I think. Compliment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, I feel like, sound like you have a female radio voice. Oh, oh, yeah. Totally. I. She'll take it. There it is. There, there it is. is. Like you could go NPR. You could go sort Ooh. of like um, mm, fresh air. Fresh air. Yeah. Delilah. Adult yes. contemporary. Delilah. Thank you. Yeah, Delilah. Like right now, can we get you to set up a love song? Yeah, a love song. Let's say this is the Eagles. Take it to the limit. Coming up next on ninety two point three. On ninety two point three, we've got Eagles. You're gonna love this one. It's take it to the limit. <laughs> See, it works. It works. You got for me you. right here. Think, yeah. Well, okay. Side note, not that anybody cares, but I will say I had a deep love for radio, for talk radio even, Mm -hmm. because growing up, we already mentioned this previously, but only Christian music, but we listened to a ton of talk radio and then a ton of Adventures in Odyssey, Mm -hmm. Focus on the Family. Oh, and that creates such an imagination. It creates such an imagination. And I remember, obviously this was before iPads and all of that, but long, long road trips and just getting Mm -hmm. lost in in talk radio, like even yeah. still to this day, podcasting, I have to physically stop myself like to have quiet moments because it's almost like I have friends in the car. I know yeah. that sounds so stupid, but like I just, yeah. the banter of people around me, is yeah. it's almost like white noise. I, I have, do you talk back to them? Sometimes. <laughs> Be real. Be yeah, real. I do, all right. All right. Sometimes I do. I, sure. Actually, today I was listening to one and I was kind of doing that, but I love like over TV, and I love a good like Food Network <laughs> special in the background. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. But honestly, more than not, I'll have a podcast going all the time. And Jason's okay. like, please, like when we go on a road trip, I'm like, what do you want to listen to? And he's yeah. like, actually nothing. <laughs> but the thing is, podcast is I can never listen to it with other people. Oh really? Uh, like okay. it's a private thing for me oh, <laughs> listening to a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, yes. like I'm okay. not. I haven't found yet a podcast that Chrissy and I can enjoy together. Okay, right. yeah, yeah. You know, yes. But, uh, well, and I yeah, have you and Jason been able to find something? We can do to a certain extent, like true crime. Uh huh. Okay. On long serial and this sort of thing. Yes, but only to a certain extent because, like, he can go hardcore SBU and I cannot. <laughs> well, what do you mean you that story? He, yeah, well, he can do like he loves like Law and Order. SVU. He he's yeah. like he gets every into season, the criminal minds. Criminal minds. Yes, criminal like stuff. he loves mm-hmm. the psychology of it. I can only go so far, and then I start thinking about our kids in every scenario, or myself <laughs> oh in every scenario, yeah. Yeah. and then yeah. I become paranoid and just really like 
a paranoid person. And yeah, so uh, I it can really get to it you. can really get Some to you. Some of them are really dark. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I don't know if y'all heard this quote and I'm gonna get it wrong, but Brooke Fraser talked about this the other day, and I identify with this. I, I wonder if any of y'all do. Some I've of late found more inspiration from podcasts and books than I have from actual music. And oh. I don't know why that is, but I I have found that music has been more of kind of like the background soothing element and then my inspiration has come from books or conversations and podcasts mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. know anyways but i for- would agree with you yeah i mean i just thought it was my demographic you know age group <laughs> you know but that's reassuring <laughs> it's not just you no. but maybe i'm similar to you because i grew up listening to a lot of audio okay i, I had my own radio show when i was a kid and that, can, of you, course you, can you did. picture that nick yes yes yeah i Younger. did yeah. Like, i love that eric wacko radio did you really? Uh, well, 1,000 and a half FM. 1,000 and a half FM. <laughs> I love that. But I loved radio yeah. and I listened to yeah. a lot of audiobooks. My dad actually introduced me to audiobooks Dude. and books yes. on tape, yes. as they yes. say. And I got a lot of inspiration from that. Yes. And that's that's why I started podcasting. That's it was so my cool. love for, for broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. So... I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, so I can good. I can see that. And it is more of an inspiration to me, books and podcasts, than I would say. And I listen to books now. Yeah. More oh, than 1,000%. I, me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time sitting and reading for some reason. Yeah. Mm. Me, me too. <laughs> Nick, <sighs> does that mean... Mm, mm, what do you think, in, Nick? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it's all the above for okay. <laughs> me. So it's crammed in. Yeah. I So I go to sleep every night listening to a record. Oh, you so, do? Yeah. With, in, with vocals? Yeah, yeah, usually in AirPods so my wife can sleep. So yeah, but I've also been reading a lot more this year. And I will say, yeah, it's it's more, it's inspired me in writing. Yeah, I find that I'm a lot more quick. And I think also willing to go in new and interesting places. Of course, I'm reading a songwriting book. Okay. It's really good. What book is it? It's called How to Write One Song by a guy named Jeff Tweedy. It's in a band called Wilco. And it's it's very, very good. But I'm also reading Bono's biography still. Yes. Well, really, that's one really that you're going to just take in for a while. It's really know? long. It's like, it's like 40 stories, right? Or 40. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, no, just got halfway through it. And I was like, why is this thing so long? It's 600 pages. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's yeah. really long. Again, he didn't listen to his editor. To, to <laughs> no. probably told him to cut it So many stories could be taken yeah. out. Yeah. I, yeah. So, and then I'm also, my wife got me a biography about McCartney's years right oh. after the Beatles ended. Beatles oh, ended mm-hmm. And then beyond. So I've kind of cool. been dabbling in all three of those and it. doing a, a, a Bible reading plan. So it's like all those things. And then I'll like listen to Bob Dylan or Sam Fender is one of my new favorite ones at night. Okay. And I feel like it's interesting to be listening to the Old Testament and then going to listen to Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. That is cool. You know, so those things playing together yes. is what's been fascinating for me and thinking about it from a very new angle, like, oh, how come nobody ever wrote a song about this or this? And it could work in this genre. Do you wake up with songs in the middle of the night because of that? I wish. No. Okay. I didn't know if that was usually. like fresh in your mind. But I was, yeah, sometimes I'll fall asleep and, and wake up and go to the bathroom and do that serial killer voice into my phone. <laughs> You're like, this is the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you can never tell the melodies the next day. Yes, I can like, never. What? So I've, I've taken a going downstairs, like actually singing it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. So my cool. wife gets songs in her dreams. Oh, sometimes. she's one of those. That's pretty special. Chrissy does that too, right? Yeah. 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 Boy. Yeah. What do you got to do? What favors you got to pull <laughs> yeah. with the Lord? Yes, Lord. To get that gift. <laughs> I mean, she's singing sometimes in her sleep. Wow. Like she's wow. like, I'm listening. I'm like, what's happening <laughs> do you over ever there? Feedback in your sleep. <laughs> 
people. Look, honest. Chrissy, that second verse it just needs to be changed. Marriage. Tweak the second Tweak line. Tweak that. that. Tweak the second line. <laughs> Rachel, oh, you, yes. you are a social media queen. Oh, you had a funny thing happen. You have not, funny things happen all the time. Yeah, well, not if, I wouldn't say it's funny, <laughs> but it's a challenging thing or an sure. interesting thing. Sure, happened. sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you post something and you think, oh, this is surely like non-controversial. This is like, I hate to say an easy thing, but like this is going to be well-received or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Everyone's going to like Everyone's this. Everyone's going to like uh-huh. this. We're going to get a lot of hearts. 1,000%. A lot Double of likes. Taps. A lot of taps. A lot of views. And then you get either one of two things, either a kind of sarcastic, very snarky comment or directly like kind of that troll. And I troll is a very general loose word for a lot of things, but basically disagree, don't like, and here's the thing, like, we're not yes people. We don't have to have you loving. We want to have healthy dialogue. Sure. But what do you do Yeah. in those moments? Because you can have several things happen. I mean, it's kind of a spectator sport, right? You get on right. there and you're like, what, however you handle this, everybody's going to see it. Yeah. And it's been fun as we've been doing this and working together. Nick, you've kind of brought up the point about these teaching moments we would call them yeah. <laughs> because people yeah. are watching what you're doing because you, of course you can just ignore or you can delete or you can you can have at it too i mean people are watching so how do you yeah. handle those moments with with grace and kindness and then know too that like online you're probably more than likely not going to reach the same like you're not going to end in the same Right. Playing field, if that makes somebody, sense. It's almost like somebody wants to borrow your platform and make a point that's challenging. Sure. In the fine line of like, well, how much do you let people do that versus right. challenge them back? So, well, actually, right. here's some thoughts. Sure. sure. And then how much do you want to take the time? Well, <laughs> you may, we've kind of made that point today. It, it, it just takes a lot of, <laughs> it takes a lot of time yeah. to do that and yeah. to do it gracefully. And again, when you were referencing this before, it is a pastoral moment in a sense where yeah. you're helping to, you're really helping guide the conversation as far as like, hey, I respect you. I see your, even if you don't see their point, thank you for offering that. And then a lot of times you may or may not get, yeah, well, <laughs> back. So do you just go, hey, man, we're not going to be, we're not going to. You know, I, I have a really good, what do you call it? Not mic drop, a really good like shut, shutting it please, down. Please, please share. Is you you People you know you know. say like well here's a few thoughts that I have whatever but then you can you, I feel like if you cap it with hey I feel like this is a conversation maybe an offline conversation yeah. why don't you DM me if you want to continue the conversation oh. <laughs> then they oh. feel like a jerk that's good because if if they're being a jerk genuinely sure. it's a good way to steer it into and they and you never get the DM and you never have you ever gotten a DM never 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 have I ever said that and then someone oh. actually DM'd me. Wow. Because never. they want the audience. Yes. yes That's yes, what it yes. is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. As soon as you take the the enticement away and you, I mean, I think that's the key really is sure. you don't get into an argument with people yeah. online. Yeah. You really don't. I mean, at best, you make one point just right. to test to sure. see if they're really willing to have a true conversation. Right. But if the response is just more arguing, yeah. then I think you take what is it? Matthew seven, six, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, um, you just, you don't cast your pearls. You don't give your best in this situation because that person's just out for it. And I find that sometimes ignoring those conversations, rarely will we delete a comment, but, or encourage you to delete a comment, but, but 
sometimes you do. Yeah. And I always feel, I feel very strongly, in fact, because I've had this happen with family members, even on the socials. And it just never ends well if you go, if you decide to go head to head. And I feel like they're, they're coffee conversations. It's like, you said, let's take this offline or let's do this in person. Now it's harder. And I mean, in this case, you can't meet with all of the people that are across the country because you're all so spread out. But in general, I I do think that's one, I don't say travesty of social media, but I feel like disagreeing with grace and allowing space to still see, like, I'm going to respect the Imago Dei in you and love you well, and then we're going to leave this be versus like, let's go at it until there's blood, sweat, and tears, and everybody can watch, and I'm going to lose sleep over this. And it's like, man... I got other things. I mean, I hate to say it. I got other things to do. And so do you. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, right. Like, you got your family to love. Probably a neighbor that maybe uh, disagrees with you, too, that could use a, a good heart-to-heart conversation. Have you talked to yeah. them, getting to know them? I don't know. I just, gosh, it's just, it's such a fine line. But that's a that's a great practical phrase. Hey, let's take it offline. <laughs> DM me. You want to step <laughs> into my DMs? Oh, no, I'm kidding. You want to step into my DMs? Yeah. Please. But because yeah. it's never happened, it, you know, okay. it literally just, okay. I feel like it always shuts it down. Yeah. yeah. And there was, I also read something uh, probably a long time ago now, but they said, you know, that sometimes you can just read something the internet on the internet that you disagree with and keep scrolling. Yes. <laughs> and that's yes. a superpower too, of just saying like, 1,000%. oh, I don't like that, but I don't have to let it trigger me if it's, it's different if it's our account. Right. right. And it's like, okay, this is kind of our house. Right. I think in some ways we treat it like our conference where sure. if we're opening it up for questions and someone says something and it's pretty challenging, we might take that first step at a teaching moment, but then sure. move on. Sure. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. No. And I think that's a great point too, about learning what your triggers are and scrolling by. And to yeah. be honest, again, going back to the time thing, when y'all both mentioned that today, it was kind of like a reminder Oh yeah, like I get to have a say in that how much of this owns my life. Yeah. And not that I don't want you don't want to be gracious and help and guide, but at the end of the day, I just feel like we and by we I mean me have <laughs> lost <laughs> too many hours of sleep over either th- disagreements or misunderstandings or just things that yeah. triggered me and it's like ah, I could have scrolled right by that. Yeah. Like I didn't have to go shopping in that store, so to speak. Like I could have just walked yeah. on by right. and it would have been fine. So Anyways, I think that's a good lesson to learn just for anyone who spends time on social media. You have to for the health of your soul. Like, you have to. And I would even say, I think we've had this conversation before. You know, I would say, give yourself, if it's not a day, you know, hour, whatever it is, give yourself also Sabbath or time away to clear your mind and to quiet your mind because it's never ending. I mean, mm-hmm. even I've, I've noticed in those quiet moments or when you're waiting in an airport or you're waiting at the doctor's office, we're all on our phones. And again, yep. by all, I mean me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's just one of those moments, hey, what if you could give yourself room to think? To or breathe? what if you noticed what was going on around you? Who yeah. was going on around yeah. you? Yeah. Sadly, though, sometimes I've done that where I put my phone away yeah. and I've looked around and everyone Everyone's else on is phone. on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, like, I guess, well, I guess it's right. everyone else is doing <laughs> it. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. This has been a really great segment of Triggered on the Gram. Triggered yes. on the Gram. Right. That's what our little social media sidebars can be called. Hashtag That's right. Triggered, triggered on the Gram. gram. Oh. Well, speaking of... Yes. Another transition to 
Someone who has actually had some social media fame. That's right. Boy, you were yeah, here you go. Is good, good our is our guest speaker today? Yes. Our guest lecturer is Benji Cowart. Benji is a funny guy. <laughs> Benji is a very funny guy. I've known Benji for a while. He and Jenna, his wife, led worship at our church for a while as well. And he um, was. Side note, nothing related to Christianity, really. <laughs> he he wrote a song, a parody of the magic song, Rude. Yes. Um, Classic. And it, Classic. But it was the dad's side of the story. That so, is so awesome. And, because for the listener who doesn't know, yes. the original song is this punk guy yep. saying, I'm going to marry the girl anyway. Most of you know this. Right, yes, right. Yes, he's, yes. Ta- he's, talking to, he's talking to the dad. The yeah. dad doesn't like him, right. but yeah. I'm going to marry her Why anyway. Be so rude? And so Why now, be so rude. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and Benji wrote a response from a dad's perspective. That's he had a daughter so that was good. similar in that age age group and it's a really funny youtube video i'll link to it in the show notes i'm gonna have to go watch it now yeah you said it has like 18 million 18 million views Ah. it went viral in 2014 and the one of the funniest parts about it is jenna in the background singing background vocals (laughs) doing laundry uh, with a laundry basket coming in just for the parts and then leaving (laughs) she just walks in and leaves (laughs) anyway Benji is uh, a great man. He he tells stories. He's a, he's a storytelling sure. songwriter. He was excellent at our Tuesday oh night uh, event. Writer's round. A writer's round. He was so yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, just sharing his heart. And like you, you felt like you were in the living room with a friend. Yeah. Who yeah. was just telling you how he wrote the song. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does that in this lecture. He talks, I think the title of it is A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think he, he'll he describe the photo in the lecture and what it means to him and how it impacted his songwriting. Cool. And it, he just, he does that. He inspires songwriters with stories, yeah. which is, to be honest, that's kind of what Jesus did with parables. So yeah, very mm-hmm. true. pretty awesome. So you're going to love it. Benji Cowart, A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words. So one of the things I'm going to camp out on, and another thing you're going to hear me say, especially with lyrics, I'm I'm convinced across the board what makes a great song is its human aspect. What I mean by that, because I really believe songs, great songs in every aspect of what they are, are human, which is why we, you know, songs make us feel something. Um, I get so tired of hearing people say, you know, especially in the church world, all these songs are just emotional. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what songs are. Um, now, they need to be doctrinally sound. What we don't have the freedom of when you're writing church music, you don't get to be ambiguous. Sorry, you don't. Um, there needs to be clarity. Now, you can say it with art, but there can't be any room for, well, I might be talking about this. I might. We, we don't get to be ambiguous. It's not like you get to write a Sting song that's going to be sung in your church. Like, Sting, like, it doesn't matter. It's fun. Like, it's whatever he's saying is, like, awesome. But there's some aspect in every song, like when I've listened to the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's more about melody, but da 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 I don't have to speak a, speak a word of English to know that song is about longing. Because what does that melody sound like? It sounds like a sigh. It sounds wistful. And, and what's funny is, and that can be used um, even in melody and even in feel, that can be used in like 
very obvious on the nose way, but it can also be used in a way that Bruce Springsteen did with Born in the USA, where everybody sings that like it's a super patriotic song. That's not a patriotic song. <laughs> so it's a total head fake, which I'm sure he did on purpose because he's like, yeah, I want to. I want people to be singing something. They don't even know what they're singing. And then when they actually study the lyrics, they go, oh. So every song in every, and I could, I mean, literally I could speak hours on that. I'm not going to camp out on that. But I would challenge you when you listen to music, ask yourself what's human about this. Everything from when you listen to the verse, if the verse is busy, the chorus needs to be what? Simple and restful, because we understand that. We understand if you're going to be busy, there has to be Sabbath. Yeah. Um, when the melody is super, when the rhythm's super fast, you ever heard anybody try to sing uh, Flight of the Bumblebees? <laughs> So you, there's give and take. We understand give and take, right? If the, mel, if the rhythm's moving really fast, there can't be a lot of intervals in the melody. That's why when you hear so much of like hip-hop spoken word or Ed Sheeran, you ever notice how the melodies are pretty stagnant? Like if he's jumping fifths and sixths trying to sing that, it's going to be a train wreck. But the reason that works is because we get give and take, right? So like you can literally break down every part of a song and go, oh, okay, the reason I resonate with, the songs that aren't human are the ones we really don't resonate with. I'm curious to see what's going to happen when AI starts writing songs. <laughs> Have you seen the AI pictures? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They freak me out. Like, they're cool, but I'm like, there's something really dark underneath, and I can't even articulate it, and I'm not speaking against it. I'm just going, like, there's something that really disturbs me, and I can't figure out what it is. And it might be the fact that it's not coming from a human. So what makes a great song lyrically? We're going to, I mean, good grief. An hour to explain that to you. If I could really do that. Like, here's the funny thing. Like, Nashville professional full-time songwriters, if any of us ever tell you we know how to write a hit, we're selling you something in the back. We don't know. The only difference between me teaching and someone who's in a class is I've failed probably 2,000 times more than you have. I don't know how to do this, but I've gotten good at guessing better. And there are things you learn. There is craftsmanship. It doesn't mean I'm just up here going, I don't know while I'm here. <laughs> but there is, there is work involved in this. And there is like a lot of, I mean, I listen to so much music and I just study and go, why does that, why does that bother me? Why does that inspire me? Why does that move me? Especially with lyrics. And where I've really landed is, and this is the very title of this class, is that we, we have to use word economy in songs, right? So why not, if a picture really is worth a thousand words, why not just paint a picture and say a thousand more words in one song? Um, my favorite songs right now, there's, a, there's, they just like literally in the lyric, you can kind of, you could literally imagine the music video as you listen to the lyric. Country music lyricists, they're the best in the business. I, like, that's where I go. The big boys who wear the big boy pants and the big girl pants are country writers. They're insane storytellers, insane picture painters. And so I'm constantly living in that world just kind of going, okay, what is this Jedi sorcery that they're doing? <laughs> Here's what I have found, though, and I'll, I'll probably, I'm, I'm going to repeat some things, but like, y'all remember Chris Farley's uh, Matt Foley skit? Yeah. <laughs> So I used to think that these comedians were just geniuses, creative geniuses that just pulled these characters out of the air. Well, it turns out, if you saw the Chris Farley documentary, all he did was he was imitating his dad 
and his football coach. I think this all was his football coach. <laughs> but all he's doing is just observing what he saw and creating characters. And he's really not pulling these characters out of nowhere. Mm. You understand that's all good country music writers are doing? They're just, you just, song, great songwriters are great listeners. Wow. You're just observing the world around you. You could probably write a way more believable song writing a song about somebody in your family and writing their story. Because yeah. what you realize is you're not, you know, it's like sometimes we think, man, how do these writers do it? They just contrive these beautiful details out of the air. No, they didn't. They walked in that person's house and they opened their eyes. And then that what you need to learn how to do as a writer, as a lyric writer, is start learning how to truly describe what you see. And that's not in lyric form. I would challenge you to spend spend a season of your life. One of the things I've learned, I'm, I'm, I play a lot of golf. And what I learned is that people who are really good at golf have spent at least six months to a year where they're playing at least three or four times a day or at least going to the range. And so finally during COVID, I was like, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> and I've gotten a lot better. What I'm getting at is you need to spend a season of your life learning to really describe things with your words. Um, what we do as songwriters, like really all we're doing, and this is the human aspect, if I can make you feel what I feel, if I, might, I can make you see what I've seen, I've done my job as a songwriter. I mean, think about even where words came from. So let's say two, two early men are, it's like, or women, sorry, just, if I say men, I'm talking about mankind. Um, but... Just imagine two cavemen. One goes out in the field, sees a buffalo, and he comes back and he's trying to tell his buddy. So he starts, he's like, well, okay, I'm going to draw this thing on the wall. So I draw it. And finally he just gets frustrated. He's like, there's got, so what happens if they're both out in the field? I need to come up with a way to describe what I saw, so I'm going to, I'm going to give it a word, buffalo. You talk about the significance of God telling Adam and Eve to name the animals. Hmm. Give me a word that represents what that is. Did y'all ever see the Facebook thing where it was like if animals were named what they really should have been? <laughs> I'm thinking, we have our English derivatives of what Adam, I'm thinking what Adam and Eve named the animals were a lot more like that. Like, I think at one point they called in the, in the Facebook thing of like what animals should, like a snake was called a danger noodle. <laughs> um, like, I think a skunk was literally called, like, a fart cat or something like that. <laughs> but, what, but what's so funny about it is you're just assigning a word. What words are is a way for me to help you see or feel what I have seen and feel. And I can't take you there and show you myself. So I have to use words. And if you begin to understand the whole point of what even human language is, you'll be a better writer. And you'll stop going to easy, cliché... It's like for a while, integrity's, integrity's password was no rhyming grace with face. <laughs> but it was kind of like, there's a point like as a writer, like one of the things that was been very convicting to me is my son, who's a junior in high school, and he's, just, he's a believer, solid kid. But he's, my, none of my kids are impressed with what I do. They could care less. They don't care about, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever, Dad. You write Christian music, blah, blah, blah. Not disrespectfully, but, you know, your kid, they're just over it. So he's not, he doesn't have all that. He's not worried about it. He's just going to say what he thinks. And he leaned over after we sat, we sat through our worship service. And this really has nothing to do with the church or it's more just worship as a whole. He said, Dad, after we sang five songs, he said, Dad, we've said the same thing five times in a row. I couldn't refute that. 
which by the way, um, which I should have I should have used this high level Jedi dad move. Isaac Watts, remember Isaac Watts wrote when I surveyed Joy to the World, said the very same thing to his dad. Basically said, Dad, these songs are lame. His dad was wise enough to go, son, write a better song then. <laughs> I accept your challenge, Dad. And it worked out pretty well. <laughs> so let you know though some of sometimes those like one of my one of the things I used for a long time as a worship leader of why I wrote songs was Long before I was doing this on a regular basis, I started going, what's the song I wish somebody would write for my church? Yeah. Maybe I'm that somebody. Yes. Maybe I'm supposed to give this a shot. You are the experts on your people. Mm-hmm. You know what they need to pray. And if you don't know what they're going through, you're not doing your job. If you don't know your people, if you're a worship leader, or even if you're a writer at your church, if you don't know your people... You're not doing your job. As a writer, I mean, there is songwriting gold all over your church if you'll just go sit and have coffee or go have a meal with somebody. There's nothing better than literally someone like just spitting out their story and you're just going, I'm literally writing a song in my head right now. I'm really trying not to. I'm trying to be present. But like, (laughs) it's easy pickings. And if you be really kind, give them credit for part of the song. But like, it's, we just aren't listening we're out trying to write, and I mean, like, here, let me give you two sides. I love what CCLI does, and I think it, like, I know those guys. I'm grateful that they were like, these writers aren't getting anything. We need to, but the problem is, if you're, if you're chasing that, yeah. you are doing a disservice to your people. Yeah. Let me say this, because this is also a very important, I'm, you're getting everything I know about songwriting, sort of shotgun approach, <laughs> but I have found this to be true over and over and over again, and I do this every day. Just write this down. Um, it may show up later, but if you write with a thousand people in mind, you'll probably write a song that nobody relates to. If you will write with one person in mind, there's a good chance you'll write a song that thousands of people relate to. Stop writing stadium music. Mm-hmm. Write for one person that you know their story in your church. What do they need to say? I love one of the things Dustin Smith always says too is, don't just write about what is, write what should be or what could be. Yeah. Speak over them prophetically of what can be of their situation, of what God might be doing in their situation. Be specific. I love super specific songs. Uncomfortably specific. <laughs> so these are some of the these are some of the hacks in songwriting that know nothing about what they're talking about. Say that very sarcastically. A good song should give you a lot of images. You should be able to make your own little movie in your head. I know when I've written a good song because I can imagine the video. Oh, okay. Man, I jumped right to the best. Okay, but I want to read this lyric. I won't play the song, but this is still to me like the... Willie Nelson still says this is one of his favorite songs he's ever recorded, but listen to this lyric. What do you do with the sands of time when they carve out lines around your eyes? I can close my fists up good and tight, but I can't hold back the sands of time. What do you do with a memory that just hangs around and stares at me I can tear that frame down off the wall, but it won't erase the things I saw. So the chorus, night and day, night and day, you remain, you remain. What do you do with old regrets? There's a box full underneath the bed. Just close enough not to forget, but what do you do with old regrets? There's an old house key in a kitchen drawer. To the door I can't unlock no more. Sometimes I hold that key real tight, but what do you do after goodbye? And then he just goes back to the chorus. How many of these things that they said are in your house right now that he just assigned meaning to? 
and just what's amazing is like I know who wrote this, and I know that when they wrote it, they were just telling their own stories. But what's amazing is they wrote it in a way that anybody could put themselves in this story. How many of you all, I mean, how many of you all have moved a bunch? You know what that's like to pull up that old house key. But have you ever gone back to the house after someone else lives in it? And they just do everything wrong (laughs) with what they do at the house. Or if you, you know, you have things that you wish you could unsee or things that you wish you'd never seen or never experienced. And it's literally like the frame. It's the frame of a picture you don't want that you can't take off the wall. Like that's genius songwriting. And so we like, like this song to me is like, I could literally like you could, I could go to three hours of counseling or I could just listen to this song. (laughs) I'm a big fan of, by the way, because I need a lot of it. Pause, think profound thoughts while I chew. <laughs> trying to pace myself today. I had to write, and then I have this, and then I'm doing the thing tonight. I don't do a lot of live performance anymore. It stresses me out. I love to do it, but it's like, please don't suck. Please don't suck. <laughs> yeah, I sort of blew through these things. Um, I'm kind of irritated because I got the wrong presentation. Give me just a second. Where did my good one go? <laughs> Yes. Um, so the church that I um, believe, the music form, um, it's really like a recovery church. And a, a problem that I have is that I used to work in a jail, and I used to like teach job skills and stuff. Mm. But one thing I know is that in recovery communities, in the jail community, in, in certain populations, which is the population that I serve, um, metaphors are very difficult. Mm. So how do I get around that? Whew. Um, do I just write it in whatever, or do I try to? I, I don't want to say down it down, but metaphors for certain people can they don't understand the metaphor, and it's just so you know, I almost feel like I have to use a different language, but it is the touchy feelings. I'm, I am thinking of your question while I'm looking because that's then why don't you just use the physical things and there not be metaphors? Like, I don't because I mean, I know like. If you just, because I mean, honestly, that's what a lot of country music is doing. And even like, even in like stuff, stuff on hip hop stuff. And like, it's just people just describing, but it, it's, it's making sure that if you're, um, but that's, I mean, you're, what you're asking is a really, really interesting and not easy uh, thing to figure out is, okay, what do you, you know, it's like, because you are, we, we are we constantly assume people get certain concepts. So we, we think people understand metaphor. They think we're even speaking in figurative language and not being literal. That's a bad assumption. If you've ever worked with people with autism, like all of a sudden we're talking there, there sometimes there's a, okay, is this figurative? Is this literal? Is this humor? Is this, that's, they're just working through that. And so it's, that's the, I mean, I don't even have an answer for you, except I would say then go to literal physical things and describe them. And then very clearly explain where you're going with it. Is that helpful? Because yeah. that's tough. But let me talk still. I want to stay on lyric a little bit. So here's the thing with lyrics, depending on the form of music. So let's talk about what are some of, if I say knock, knock, you say. <laughs> so we kind of have a rule of human communication, right? Say, so, hey, I'm Benji. How are you? <laughs> so here's the thing. These aren't hard, fast rules but they kind of are. 
So what you is a, what you have to navigate. Here's where I'm going with this: with songwriting and with the craft of poetry, you have rhyme. You have like I don't know if you've noticed, but in songs that are sung really well, in Christ alone, I don't know if you've ever looked at the syllable count. It's exactly the same every phrase. Well, in the pattern. So if the pattern, if there's four lines and one is like nine and one's eleven, then the next one will be nine and eleven. Here's what I love. Uh, if you want to ever, I think it's called Songs in the Night. There's a website that's that's for hymn writers. And one of the things that I found there that I thought was brilliant is they say with, here, so what's, using the human aspect of give and take, do hymns repeat themselves? You have the exception, but for the most part, they don't, right? You might have a refrain, but for the most part, every verse changes. So here's the give. If I'm going to take from you, the chance to repeat a phrase, and what I need to give you is everything else stays the same. So if I'm writing a hymn and I'm going to change every lyric, then I need you to know that the melody's not going to change, that I'm going to hit the rhyme scheme where you think it's coming, and nothing else will change the rest of the song. Because I'm not going to give you any familiar ground except those things, because I'm going to change the lyric on you every line. And yet, if I were to sing a verse of a hymn, you would be able to sing the next three verses and know exactly where that comes from. So, do you guys remember, um, I'm, I'm going to insult your intelligence, but do you know the Wesley brothers, Charles Wesley, John Wesley? Yes. So I, a friend of mine got a hold of a, uh, a book that they used to, used to use with their circuit riders. So literally these guys are going around all over the country preaching and then teaching songs. So they didn't have anything like this. And most people were mostly illiterate. They didn't have words display. They didn't have PowerPoint. They didn't even have, like, the overhead. Anybody remember that? Last week's song still left over on the sheet. So literally, they're going into a group of people. So there had to be this under... There's got to be give and take. So I think it was Charles Wesley. Man, everybody was, at least they understood what common meter and long meter was. And I'm like, you can go study that for yourself. All it is is differences in syllable count and that kind of thing. So... But what they would do is they would, Charles Wesley would write lyrics in long meter. He would go find, they literally did find either bar songs or folk songs that were written to long meter lyrics. And they would walk to a crowd of people, disperse a lyric, and all you would see is written in long meter to be sung to the tune of. And from note one, everybody there could sing with them. That's amazing. Which, by the way... You as worship leaders, if people are singing with you, you're not doing your job. Yeah. You are not there to be heard. Um, we, I've been leading worship at a church of about 70 people, and they for, for the longest time they were still, my wife and I were still, because there's just the reason I love this church, there's nothing sexy about it whatsoever. <laughs> like the pastor still goes, gets up and asks for anniversaries and birthdays every Sunday. And I'm like, oh, where's this been for so long? But they were still singing out of hymn books. And one of the things I loved about hymn books is there is an implication that when I hand you a book that's got notes and lyrics in it, you now have a job. And we, I don't even have to say it. I don't have to be the, I, I call it the beat down worship leader. It's like, you're, you're not singing, you don't love Jesus. Don't do that, by the way. Um, sometimes I'm like, bro, you don't know the week I had. And my act of worship is I walk through the door. That's, that's all I've got today. Just let people ease in. But anyway, sidebar. But just, just the implication of people knowing, like, how many of y'all got uh, older kids? And how many of you all remember, if you don't have older kids, how your mom was when two or three people came home for dinner, but there's one missing? Oh, yeah. 
never happy. And that used to bug me to death. And now I realize it's because a parent's heart is never content until everybody's home. I think that's what Sunday morning worship is. Yeah. So we really do all, and I get it, man. Some people can't be there. Some people as senior adults have to watch online because they're, I get all that. But I think God loves it when everybody's there and he very much notices when the people that aren't and misses them. Not that he's not with them in worship at home. I get all that. But my parents, I still love them when when we're not all together. But there's something about when we all come together. And I think we've really done a crappy job teaching our people that. And so people are like, well, you know, I'll just watch online. Well, you can, but what if what if you phoned in your birthday for your parents? Ah, oh, Dad, I mean, I just live two miles away. Can I just watch online? I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but I've just been thinking a lot about the corporate gathering. Yeah. And I think God, I think we've got to keep remembering, and also, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Any of y'all's kids ever put on a show for you? <laughs> Is your favorite part when it goes great or when it's a catastrophe? <laughs> I think when we show up and we've done our best to prepare, now it's one thing if you show up every week and you're not prepared, but I think God thinks it's hysterical when things go terribly wrong in worship. And we freak out as worship leaders, and I think that's the part where God's going, that was my favorite part of worship. Come on, you put your capo in the wrong place, you were playing, y'all all playing the wrong key, and it was awesome. But, I, you know, it's, I think if we'll just keep, even as we write songs, so okay, so let's put, let's think that way. What does dad want to hear from the kids every Sunday? Mm. Write that song. Any of y'all have kids? Do any of y'all have a grateful kid? What does it make you want to do when they say thank you? Give them more. Hug them and kiss them. Who said that? I will pour it all on. (laughs) The kid who says thank you. And notice it's not just like, just, you know, not like one of our worship songs. Thank you, thank you. Like it's more of, Hey, Dad, like for the little things, like when I, you know, it's like we have an adopted daughter, and I don't know if she's playing or if she really means it. <laughs> she's so much smarter than I am, but that's the But she always says thank you. We'll go, you know, I'll get, we'll stop like the other day. I picked her up from school to go to a, a tutoring thing, and then just got her Sonic on the way. And she just thank you, Dad. I'm like, I'm gonna buy the whole Sonic. Do <laughs> you ever think about that? Like, do you ever think even like instead of what's the cool hot worship song? Like, do you ever just stop and go, what does God want to hear this morning? That's so good. That's good. And don't you know? It's it's not like you don't have to. You know, I don't know. You, we all work differently. I'm I'm convinced the Holy Spirit certainly works through preparation. And and the Holy Spirit can work through future planning too. By the way. Yeah. Because the good thing, you know, and I think also the Holy Spirit can interrupt you on Friday night and go, Mm-mm, we need to do this song. And you need to be open to doing it. And you may not have the verse, two, three, four, counting the song. <laughs> You'll figure it out. But I think there's no right way, but I think we just need to be sensitive and plan the best we can. I, but I think we've got to be asking the right questions. Yeah. And I think, all, you know, I know some of this feels like, oh, I didn't come here for a worship leader seminar, but... What I'm trying to get you to do is to think the right way about even how to write songs and why to write songs. This is servanthood. Um, Servanthood sometimes looks really, really not cool. And it also means dying to your musical preferences sometimes. 
I, you know, I've served in a, like, for whatever reason, God's put us, when we were, when I was a full-time worship leader, like, I'm born and raised in Nashville. And the places that God put me as a worship leader was in Buffalo, New York, which you can imagine, like, a blue-collar, like, they, not exactly a, a music preference kind of town. They don't care. Um, lived in Northport, Florida, another place, predominantly a place where people either go to run away or they go to die. Um, so we've lived in all these bizarre places. And I think what God has just kept teaching me is that, like, you're here to serve these people. They don't care about your cigarettes, like, you know, abstract worship moment. They're just going to be going, like, what do we do right now? Like, uh-huh. this is bizarre. Or, I mean, I'll, I will literally put, if we're doing anything remotely blues, I will put a guitar solo. I don't play, but I'll have my, I'm like, please just play something. But I also have to remember, depending on the church, you know, in some super charismatic churches, you say, go sing to the Lord in your own song while we play. They know what to do. Most of the churches I've been, it's been like, <laughs> like what, what, do we, what do we do now? So, and you can bring them along. I still will. I don't care. I'll still indulge myself and be like, dude, we're playing a 6A blues song. Just play for like eight bars. This is just for me right now. <laughs> I'm going to go to counseling for eight bars, and they can just... Uh, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, and we got plenty of time. So let's. So here's the thing with worship music, and with Christian songs. Well, let me do this. Let's just. What are some lyrics that you can think of right now? That just have have very much ministered or used. Yeah. I was just when you were talking. I was thinking about the song that I heard. It's Andrew Peterson. The song is "The Good Confession," and he's telling his testimony. His testimony is, while he was very rebellious, a song led him back to Jesus. So by himself at a piano, he plays a song, and the Holy Spirit beats him there. And in his song, The Good Confession, he writes the lyrics. I've just jotted it down, so it's funny you asked that. <laughs> great songwriters, or great listeners. No, you said that. But that's not what I wrote. Sorry. <laughs> he says, I rocked and rolled with a lousy band. And then I heard a song that took my hand and led me home. And that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> it's so good. And you can literally see that whole lyric. Like, that's a great... One of my favorite... I got to have a fanboy moment, but Chris Frenzum has got a song where he's like, basically, without you, I'd still be bumming cigarettes for my friends. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, such a great... And all he's just telling his story. Right. And I'm like, but what a great picture of just, you know, I'm not anti-cigarettes. He's just talking about something he was he was convicted about. And in that season of his life, that very much represented the way he was living. And I was just like, that's, we just need to be better picture painters. And I think we can still do it in worship. Um, you know, I think, uh, like, that, that, uh, that um, man, my Adderall's wearing off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> old church basement record I, I just can't think of the name of the church right now uh, like there's just so many good lyrics of what you know kind of, of even like I've I've never been more loved than I am right now I wasn't holding you up so there's nothing I can do to let you down like that's fresh conversation to speak some really really old truths and again that's just listening uh, listening to people around you, listening to how people talk, listen to how your people in your church talk. Because yeah. mm. every now and then they'll say something and you're like, that should be in a song. Mm. 
You know, you think about David and, and the 23rd Psalm. Like, all David is doing is just describing what's immediately around him. He's just looking around him. He knows what his job is. He under, understood every implication of what it means to be a shepherd. And then he's going, oh, that's what you are. Like, everything that he is talking about in the Lord's Prayer, I mean, in, in the 23rd Psalm, is not mindless repetition. And I feel like sometimes we quote the Psalms that way. It's like, well, I'm going to sing the Psalms with special power. It's like, well, yes, because the more you quote Scripture in the Psalms, well, that's like you are to speak heresy, so I'm always a fan of that. <laughs> By the way, worship leaders, just quote Scripture in between Psalms. It'll keep you out of so much trouble. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've unintentionally rewritten doctrine. <laughs> just talking, and it's just like, dude, like I can feel the, you know, the pastor's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Conversations after. So there is something. So it, you know, and if it is, if you are going to use scripture, then put a melody around it that just sets it off. Mm-hmm. But that is your challenge. I always, I always laugh at that. Well, God gave me this song. <laughs> Well, God also gives a diamond miner a big chunk of coal. And they have to do a lot of scraping before that goes on some young lady's finger. There's a lot of work that goes into getting that diamond ready. Wow. And everybody I know in this, in, in this town, all the people that you're hearing from, they work hard at this. Mia Fields, she's still like, she intimidates and We're friends. She intimidates the snot out of me because she's so good. <laughs> Because she works so hard at it. Jason, uh, Jason Ingram, like all these different people, like we, everybody just assumes they just sort of stumbled into this thing. And it's just like, it's very blue collar. But the beautiful thing is you, you at your church and you for the people that you're writing for, you get to do the same work for the same reason. Because you know what my favorite part of being a songwriter still is? It's the stories. At your church, there's no reason you can't get to do that either. Like, Awards and all that stuff is kind of cool, but when you when you you know I've gotten to do some of that, and I'm kind of like, my favorite part is the story of someone says I heard that song and I pulled over on the side of the road, and that's when I gave I rededicated or turned back to God, and I'm like, I'll take that all day long. Here's the amazing thing: you get to do that at your church or wherever anybody will hear you. Like that that was it's funny because I'm like as a worship leader, I would lead worship for free anywhere anybody would let me. Because I just loved it. And I was so bad at it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, my guitar playing was so bad, it lit- I literally had to put it down. Put the guitar down and just sing. Because I was like, oh, this is, a, this is a train wreck. But I loved doing it. And ultimately, like, um, have you all heard the song by Luke Holmes called Doing This? <laughs> I'm going to have to read you the lyric. Uh, because... I almost was like, he wrote this for worship leaders. And this is, I feel like this should be like, everybody I know that's doing this in this town, this would literally be like their mantra. And I also feel like it's the same for you. Uh, Sorry, hold on. Here's another great example of a lyric. And you'll like, again, so getting the images of what he's painting... I can really cannot think and type at the same time. Like, I'm coming to that realization like hardcore right now. Um, okay, so I'm just going to read you the lyric. Someone asked me once in an interview, what was growing up like? Where'd you go to school? And what would you do if you weren't doing this? Talking about him being an artist. 
I'd be driving my first car, an old worn-out Dodge, trying to make rent with a dead-end job, just making do with tips in a jar, my guitar, and an old bar stool. I'd have a Friday night crowd with a palm of my hands, cup of brown liquor, a couple buddies in a van, singing the same dang songs like I am now. I'd be feeling on fire on a hardwood stage, bright lights like running through my veins, as a Grand Ole Opry or a show in some no-name town. I'd still be doing this if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get I can't even get through it because I'm like, that's my heart. Yeah. I can't believe I get to do this for a living, but like I remember what I did for 15 years. Like I was writing songs and I could care less what happened with them because I just loved it. And I love anywhere I could get to sing one of those songs. If you limit your crowd, if you just say, well, not until I get to this crowd, you're missing out on so much. Uh, here's, I want to read the rest of it. <clears throat> I'd still be the same guy they knew back in the day who was burning CDs just to give them away, paying his dues if I wasn't doing this. Five deep in a van, head full of steam, hot on the heels of my neon dreams, maybe coming true, living this life just like I was born to do. Then back to the chorus. I'd have a Friday night crowd in the palm of my hand, cup of brown liquor, couple buddies in a band, singing them same songs like I am now. I'd be feeling on fire on a hardwood stage, bright lights like lightning running through my veins at the Grand Ole Opry or show in some no-name town. I'd still be doing this if I wasn't doing this. Y'all ever have those worship moments where you could literally, you could leave the stage and the people just kept going? I take that all day long. Um, I've gotten to play, you know, in some random things, gotten to play some pretty cool places. But the moment, and the reason I'm telling you this is these are the opportunities that you have too. It's those moments when I could lead worship and leave the stage. Because everybody was just like, we really don't need you anymore. <laughs> that's, that's when you've done your job. You just worked yourself out of a job. Because here's where I was going with that. Um, I, when I was on staff, at my, I was in staff at a church in Buffalo for seven years, hence the strong affection for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Who put it on the Titans 41-7. Come on. <laughs> um, sorry, but after last year's loss, and I heard this for a whole year. <laughs> And me and my boys actually went up to Buffalo to watch that game. So that was fun. Um, well, I was on staff at, at a church in Buffalo. My, the, a guy came up to my pastor. He was literally just, I think he was just out of college in seminary or just out of seminary. I can't remember. And he came up to my pastor and he said, I think I can do what you're doing, but I think I can do it better. My pastor very wisely said, man, for the sake of the kingdom, I hope you're right. But if you want to do what I do, you need to be willing to do what I've done. So let me walk you through that. Um, I was the guy that the, the, the guy calls first when his wife has died, and I get there before the ambulance does, and I have to sit there in the room with he and his wife who's passed and just console him until the ambulance gets there. I was the guy who shows up to tell mom that her son was killed in a car wreck. The cops call me. And so what I would say is, um, if you want to do what you see people doing, then find out what they've done. You know, it's funny because I'll hear, I'll hear country songs where I'll be like, you know what? I don't want to live the life it takes to write that song. Some of those guys that write some of those songs, man, there's a, there is a, the benefit of having the song is that they at least got something out of what they went through. Uh, there's a song 
It's one of my favorite. Dirk Bentley recorded it called The Fighter, I think, or called Riser or something like that. But actually, there's a version of the actual writer singing it, and he's been through all kinds of rehab and just trying to get clean and just, but hearing him sing it, it hits different. Because you just go like, I don't, I don't want to live, and I really, truly don't, I don't want to live the life it takes to write that song. There's some memories I'd rather not have, some leanings I'd rather not have. I used to lament that I had the, you know, I had the kid's testimony where I literally like never drunk, never been high, never, like I was, I was the never kid. But it used to be like, man, I wish I had and now I'm like, uh, oh, I'm so glad I don't have certain things in my head. I'm sorry. You know, it's like, and, and I love what God does with people who have been through the stuff. You know, and it's like, and I'm sure they're, they're, they're also grateful for the way that they can minister to people that I never will be able to. They can have a conversation with somebody who's been through it. Um, sorry, I was like totally sidebar, but if you really want to write good songs, go hang out in your church's recovery group. If they'll let you. Um, I know there's a lot of privacy stuff, but man, or just find those people and have a relationship with them. They know things about grace that like in in my little whitewash, like that I have to go talk to somebody else. Because they know grace in a way that I may never will. Uh, I'm, you know, it's, it's funny because I used to, We'd come out of our, we'd do our college service every Tuesday night, and I'd come out of college and have the college service, and I'd see a bunch of guys around smoking. And I'm going, I bet Jesus loves this smell. Because this smell actually represents not doing the thing they used to do. And this, this in and of itself is an aroma of praise of somebody who's trying to get moving in the right direction. And I was like, God forbid I ever judge somebody who's, gone from being a coke addict to smoking a cigarette after a recovery meeting. And it just, you know, it's even just thinking from God's perspective of like, I bet Jesus loves this smell. Um, but again, getting to know your people. Let's dive into Melody for a minute. Sorry, I'm all over the place, but I'm just kind of rapid fire here. May I make a comment? Yes. So you mentioned stories and grace. I just wanted to encourage everybody. We've just been through a season Nobody wants to talk about it, but the best thing you can do right now is listen to stories. That's going to give you the grit. That's going to give you the stories to write about. Yeah, I mean, y'all, like, congratulations, by the way. Like, I, I sometimes, I, I don't know, I'm being sarcastic. Sometimes when you stop and go, we made it through a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, uh, we just don't stop enough. Great songs come from stopping and going, what did I just come through? That's so good. Like, and, and going, okay, now, how do I feel about human connection after not having it for a while? You know, we, I think we did begin to value some things. Like, I love walking into a room full of people now. Now, the beauty in Franklin is it was kind of like COVID was a thing for a month. And then it was like, don't ask, don't tell. Everybody use common sense. Back to life. But some of y'all were in places where you were straight up shut down. For like... Year plus two yeah. years. Yep. Like, it, it was traumatic. Don't let yourself not feel the weight of that. Um, that you know, that's that's so many times why we internalize things is we don't just stop and feel the weight of it. We don't lament it. Ever read Lamentations? Yeah. Great songs. Yeah. That's also what we don't have enough is 
What we're missing, I'll tell you what we're missing, I think, in the body of Christ as a whole. We, we're missing Lord have mercy songs. We don't have songs of repentance. You know, where's the Keith Green? Where's the Rich Mullins? May not get a lot of radio play, but is that why you're, is that why you're writing in the first place? Um, we don't have a song. We don't have a lot of songs. That was one of the things uh, in watching Mike Weaver with the lead singer of Big Daddy Weaves with his brother dying is he just said his this whole next record. And I've heard some of the songs and it's but he said, I just want to give people a room to grieve in with this next record. Because we don't grieve well as believers. We don't process. We don't we just don't stop our lives. Like I remember uh, being on staff at a church and just I've sung at more funerals than any human being should have to sing at. Because I was kind of like the in-house like funeral singer. But I just remember a lot of funerals. I was going like, wow, is that going to be it in my life as we do an hour service and that's it? Whereas, you know, you look at some of the biblical models, they would shut it down. They'd shut it down for a wedding and they'd shut it down for a funeral. And people stopped their lives. And they were probably a lot less emotionally messed up than we are. Because we walk around with all this internalized crap and we don't, we don't learn how to process it. Songs are, have any of y'all ever heard a song and you literally felt like you've been to three hours of counseling? Yes. <laughs> That's what a song can do. I heard, um, I heard a pastor, which was, it meant a lot for me to hear a pastor say this, but he said, you know what? Songs can do what sermons cannot. Yeah. Songs can get in the heart without having to have permission. You can shut out a sermon, right? But songs are like ninjas, man. They, <laughs> like that melody sneaks in and all of a sudden you're like just ripped apart. So let's get the melody. So this is a, I do want to talk about this. I'm a lyric writer, but I'm going to be honest with you. Melody has to be the priority. It's a song. Otherwise, it's just a poem. So melody has to be like, what I do a lot of times is I'll put myself with good melody writers and I will wait till there's a melody in our room. And then I'll say, okay, now let's figure out what it's trying to say. Because I've learned to yield to a good melody. And I think that's very wise. And sometimes those of you who are like, well, I don't really write melodies. But if you play an instrument, you'd be amazed that your hands a lot of times can write what your head cannot. Yeah, that's so good. So instead of trying to contrive a melody, sit down and play, play the piano or whatever your instrument is. Play the guitar and let your hands write. Just let your hands go until all of a sudden you go, actually, I'd want to sing that. There's so many good guitar players that will write like mel- melodic hooks. And I'm like, that needs a lyric. So some of you that don't think you're writers, you're probably more melody writers and you think you're just going about it wrong. If you play an instrument, a lot of times that instinctive thing that doesn't think is a way better writer than the brain is. So you ever watched a kid walk through a grocery store who's happy and they just randomly start singing? Like that's the place the good music comes from. (laughs) Um, Most of the time I solve all my lyric problems doing something super spiritual like mowing my lawn. Because your brain goes into passive mode, and it's like your brain works way better. The way God wired us, we do a lot better when we're not trying. Wow. Yeah. So your brain will just... And by the way, too, just ask God for songs. I've started making that a habit every right before I go in. I'm like, Lord, I shouldn't even have to remind myself to ask you. But would you give us a song? And it's amazing how much that changes. Because what you're really acknowledging is, let's be honest, we know where, this song, where songs, good songs come from. I mean, all, like, if we're writing Christian songs, we're all stealing from the Bible. <laughs> Michael Jackson, I've forgotten many things. I'll never forget a melody. Lyrics is what you say. Melody is how you say it. Anybody had any uh, problems in text conversations of confusion? 
<laughs> that's because you literally have no melody. Yeah, that's all conversation is, is melody. Yeah. yeah. If I say this to you, I'm shouting in caps. But I could have just said, if I say this to you in caps, and you're like, dude, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> that's, what mel- that's what melody is. This is so good. Music shouldn't just be a tune. It should be a touch. I want to reframe the way you think about the word manipulation because it's become such a bad thing. But if I do this, I pick my shirt up. What did I just do? I manipulated my shirt. My my goal when I write a song is I just want to change something for somebody who hears it. I want to manipulate them. I want to move them. Um, It's music. Melody is it's it's melodic manipulation. That's the power of even worship songs. It's like people come in just carrying all the stuff we carry in every Sunday. And every man, a song would hit you and you'd be like, none of that's important right now. And that's carried. If, if I just got up and read you the lyrics of a worship song, that would not get you there. It would be the music that would transport you to that place where you're going like, okay. Isn't it amazing what worship does to your perspective, by the way? It's like you go from like the dumb and dumber, like our pet's heads are falling off. To all of a sudden, you're kind of on the other side of worship, like, that's really not that big of a deal. To be a song, a lyric needs a melody, but a melody does not need a lyric to be a song. So I just want to, here's the things. So what are the takeaways? We've still got 15 minutes, and I want to answer questions. Um, Just turn this off. Watch this. Um... If you want to get better, well, first, as a writer, you gotta you gotta clarify your you gotta have a, a pure why. Um, um, I don't know if there's a right or wrong why, but I think. The one why you can't have is I want to write a hit. It will just ruin everything you write. Uh, it, when In one of the classes I teach, I take a Rolling Stone, the magazine, did a, ma- uh, did a playlist of 500 greatest of all time songs. And you listen to those songs and you go, not one of these songs sounds like the writers got in the room and said, let's write a hit, man. Because you're talking about like, I can't make you love me by Bonnie Raitt. Um, you're talking like just every one of those songs like I just go like these just don't feel like anybody sat down in a room to write a hit they were just writing I mean even uh, Olivia Rodrigo's uh, driver's license that song is brilliant like that she is a great writer like you think about you listen to that lyric for those who are familiar you literally like and even the genius of that like it transports you in her car with her and all of her teen angst and everything that she, you know, it's like, but it's genius writing. And all you're trying to do, so is, is once you sort out your why, which I think is really, I like to help people with songs. I will never apologize for loving to be on stage, but not for the narcissistic weird reasons, which those are there too. But I love what happens when a song really hits somebody. You know, sometimes we're almost taught in church, like we, you know, to, to not, not enjoy the way God's wired us. But like there's there, there's nothing, and again, like I said, there's nothing like leading worship and walking away because you're not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. No, there's nothing like doing like singing a song and, and 
having, you know, just realizing God used that and, and knowing that you're just, just with some of the songs I've used that God's used, that I've written that God's used, um, if I could do it again, I would. I'm not smart enough. I just had to, you know, it's like just whatever happened in that moment, God used it and just, and it was just, you know, because after that, well, one of the songs that, uh, was, that I got to be a part of was Redeemed. And what's funny is after writing that, we, Mike and I tried to, we wrote a bunch of times after. And I just felt like God let us write terrible songs just to say, like, y'all didn't do that. You're, you're clearly not smart enough. Um, and so it's just, but, but if you keep, you know, it's like the whole thing of every biblical character is just make yourself available. So good. Show up. One of the things I love that Jason Ingram says he does every morning is he gets up, gets out of bed, and the first 15 minutes that he's awake, he just goes and plays whatever's going through his head. Because it's like that's just such a pure place for your brain. And he'll sit down at the piano and he'll just kind of sing and leave his phone running. That'll help, that'll help you also get away from trying to, like, to be in write-write mode. It's just put your phone on record, put it away so you forget about it, and then just let whatever comes out comes out. Um, but I think you just, like, it's just being available. I think God always honors the work. So even, you know, it's the work of writing a paragraph to describe something you see, the work of starting to write poetry. Uh, I, one of the things Tony Wood, I thought uh, you guys heard from him already, but he said, you know, uh, amateur writers, new writers write when they're inspired. Seasoned writers write until they're inspired. Wow. You just she keeps showing up. My dad used to say this all the time. He said, there's going to be a window where your preparation and your opportunity cross. There's a crossroads. Don't get caught unprepared when you hit that opportunity. And I, I feel like sometimes ideas are those, those opportunities. You'll have, everybody's had that idea where you're like, this is a huge song. <coughs> but if you haven't done the work, like, which may mean, we always joke, but in songwriting, you, like, the, before I ever wrote a song I really loved, I wrote about 200 bad songs. <laughs> and so my question is, are you willing to go ahead and get in the car and write 200 songs? And it may happen faster for you. Some of y'all might be, like, prodigies, but, like, most of us, it takes a long time. But the bottom line is, you just got to love the act of writing a song. Like, if you ask me what my favorite song is, I'll probably say, I don't know, I haven't written it yet. And I'd be honest with you. I mean, like, I'm just like, man, I don't know. I mean, I'm already bored with the songs I've written, but I can't wait to write the next one. Um, I just love that. I mean, it's that, that's why the whole song, Doing This, like, I was literally for seven years in Buffalo. I was sending songs for five of those years to a publisher, and it was just five years of no. But I, but I just got to the point where it's like, man, I don't care about getting signed. Just help me write a better song. And so he'd give me feedback and give me feedback. And finally, what's funny is the song I wrote where I gave up on Nashville where I just finally was like, Lord, what am I doing? Like, I'll need your approval. I don't need, like, and, and it's like, and if, if for the rest of my life, if I write songs for you and I write for this church in Buffalo, that's enough. That was the song that actually opened doors in Nashville. Wow. <laughs> but don't go try to write that song going, okay, this is how I'll get to Nashville. I've got to write that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You just genuinely have to be at a place where you're like, no, this is enough. Um. But I just did the work, and some of it's because I couldn't help but not do the work. I loved it. I loved it. And I sat through so many things just where you are, and there's times where I'd hear guys speaking. I'm like, I can do what you do. 
and went overlooked and unnoticed for a long time, but just kept showing up. But it was kind of like, well, I don't care if they notice me or not. I love doing this. And they can't stop me from doing that. Their no means nothing to me when I get in my, in my, get in my office and start writing. Mm. Come on. You got to let people like, you know, they are gatekeepers. And there's a reason. You got you to be able to have the humility to listen to what they're telling you. But their no doesn't keep you from going back and writing another song. Yeah. Their no doesn't keep you from writing a song for your small group. Their no doesn't keep you from writing a song for the retirement home. Their no doesn't keep you from writing anywhere, anytime. They don't have that much power. You just got to decide, is it worth it to me to write the 200 songs? And each song, write it like it's the best song you know how to write. You only know it's bad in hindsight. I've never written a song that I thought was bad while I was writing it. But the next day... I'm not even kidding. There's been days where I'm literally like texting the other people going, I'm so sorry. I thought that was such a great idea. It was not. It's so cringy, like so cheesy. But in the moment, like, and depending on how much caffeine you have in your system, they sound brilliant. But you know what? Write them anyway. Like, another thing is like, be prepared to rewrite. Great songs are not written. They're rewritten. The house that built me was written over seven years. I know a lot of the guys right now that... Like, uh, I've written with uh, Mac Brock and some of the, the worship guys. That's They're writing six-month songs. Because, man, Mac, I love writing with him. Because he'll, like, we wrote we wrote something. We wrote a verse and a chorus. And I was like, man, this feels pretty good. And then all he sent back on the work tape was a chorus. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're not writing the verse. Okay, move on. Write a new verse. But what what they do is they'll they'll write the whole song or try to write the whole song. Only take what's really good. Shelve everything else. And you got to be a little relentless like that, because typically what happens, I guarantee every every one of you would write a song with a lyric that's gold. Yeah. But what you need to do is tear down the house and build the whole house around that idea and that lyric and make wow, every line wow. as good. Yeah, yeah. You got to be that relentless. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that you're trying to write a hit; you just want to write a song that really moves people. Yeah, yeah. Um, a buddy of mine, you know, he said he he says, and it's a little bit of pressure, but he's like every every moment in the song is a chance for the listener to disengage. So it's like even in writing a lyric, this is practical. Like, have you ever heard a great sermon, a great pastor preach, and they literally can walk, preach all over the Bible, and you walk away with one thing, and then you can hear a young pastor and they'll preach on one scripture, and you still have no idea what they're talking about. So songs really have to be about one thing. So it's like sometimes I'll hear people write, and they'll be in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and then it's like, what is this about? So whereas you look at you look at songs that have traveled the world, how great is our God? I could finish every line with, of the verse with how great is our God. The splendor of a king robed in majesty. How great is our God. Wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. Everything is aiming in one direction. Uh, our God is greater. Like, so you gotta, you've got to start narrowing and going, is the whole song, can I walk away from every part of the song and it still fits within the context of one thesis sense? That's just good songwriting. Yeah. Lyrically. Um, and that's and, and what is what is it that we're doing? And I'm going to come back to lyrics. We're communicating. So in a song, you're literally doing a three and a half. A lot of times, I wouldn't say it has to be a message, but it really does need to be about one thing. If you listen to worship songs that we're all singing, they're about one thing. So it can't be like if you want to write. You know, some people write the journal style where I'm just writing my thoughts from the journal. That's fine, but. Be okay with nobody else being able to sing that. And that's okay. Like, that's a form of expression that you need to do as well. Mm-hmm. But when you begin to think about, 
am I writing for other people? Do I want other people to sing this? Then you gotta you gotta serve them and make it to where they can sing it. Now that doesn't mean you don't write great. I mean, like I I, I call this the Steve Perry principle uh, from the band Journey. Because sometimes we write melodies that are so dumbed down. Whereas I go like, we've all tried to sing um, Open Arms. Dudes especially. And sometimes I go, if you're not going to make their melody accessible, then make it so good that everybody wants to try to sing it. (laughs) And I think we need more of those in Christian music sometimes. They may not be the congregational song, but we, like, stunning melodies are just just undeniable. Um, Any questions? Sorry, I've been talking. You guys have questions? Yeah. What's one way that you, like, stir yourself up to write when you're feeling inspired? I read nonstop. Reading for me is where I like, uh, I just feel like reading's how I load the gun. And uh, some of you say I'm not readers. I would, I would argue with that and say you're probably not a visual process, so get audio books. I get it. Some people read and they're like, I literally did not retain a word of that. It's because you're an audio processor, probably. But if you're going to be a lyricist, you have to be a reader. There's no way around it. I read, like, I'll read, I'll go find, like, secular poets because they have ways of saying things, and I'm just like, that's so genius. I read a lot of theology, um, but I can't stand dry theologians. Like, I have to read guys that, like, I'm like, okay, this guy's writing good theology, and he actually loves Jesus, and he's not mad about the gospel. So that's always good. And there, you know the difference, because there's some theologians where you're like, man, I think this guy's mad about Jesus. Like, I think he's angry. <laughs> You'll hear others, and you're like, man, this dude's like just about to come undone with joy. So, um, but yeah, so for me, that's what works for me. It's reading a lot. I read, I mean, I'm, I'm always reading. I'm usually juggling about five or six books. And it's just because I enjoy it. Yeah. I just wanted to share this. I read a, a life hack recently, and yeah. it said if you're overthinking, then start writing, and if you're underthinking, then start reading. So, like, hmm. if your brain is just like, oh, I've got so many things going on, just write it all out. And if you're underthinking, like, I don't have the ideas, then just read, just, like, consume I would stuff. write that down. That's go. like... That was free. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> no, I mean, that, but that's that's dead on, like, because I'm a chronic, like, I'm, I'd be on the chronic overthinker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and sometimes it's funny because you're, when you, it's the same thing kind of as confession. Mm. It's like when you write it out and air it out, all of a sudden you're like, oh. Like, so if you're chronically, like, you go to worst case scenarios in your head and then you write them out and you're like, well, one, this is kind of hilarious, but two, that's not going to happen. But I also love the idea of like, because I, I definitely have gone into some rights where it's just white noise in my head. And then, but then if I read before, I'm like, okay, now I have something. So that's, that's great advice. Anything else? This may be off, top, off topic, but um, you write songs with your wife still, or have you in the past? Some, she's not, she's not an everyday writer. Um, and so we, like, she's got a couple ideas where I'm still like, this is going to make a great song. We just got to figure out how to write it. We just don't do it like her. She's like, we like... If we find about anything, we find about music. Most <laughs> 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 couples I talk to, that's very normal because there's no like right or wrong. My like, question is going to be like do's and don'ts for co-writing with your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> like you've got to treat them like you put somebody that you that you're not married to. Mm. Certain things like I there's certain things that I would never say to someone else in the room. Uh, 
Uh, so you got to unpack all your always and nevers and leave those out of the room. Yeah. And then you have to treat them with the same dignity and respect that you would another. Like if I'm, if I, you know, it's like if I'm writing with another female writer, I would like, I would be kind and I'd be gentle even if I disagree. And it's like if I'm writing with my spouse, I better be treating her that way too. <laughs> Familiarity is what makes it hard. Yeah. Man, we've made some other people uncomfortable. Like even leading <laughs> worship together, and finally one of the guys back is like. Get a counselor. <laughs> and we're like, no, we're going to work it out right here. And y'all going to listen. <laughs> but yeah, it's tough. I love your song, um, all, all My Hope Is In Me. Oh, thanks. She sang that in our church like every week for months in Vermont, which is... It's funny you bring that one up because that's one she and I have been talking about where I'm like, we, like, I love that song. That song is phenomenal. Everyone should listen. My hope is in me. Yeah, I think that. Benji and Jenna Coward. Yeah. I've been trying to figure, I've been kind of want to re, reapproach that one on just some minor things, but like, yeah. I still love that song. It's funny, you'll have certain songs, you kind of go back and go, oh yeah, I actually like that song. <laughs> How many songs do you think I'm average right in here? <laughs> no, seriously. No, I'm dead, I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> not laughing at your question, like... <laughs> I mean, I write, if I'm having a busy, I almost always write a full song every time I write. And I'm writing four or five days a week. So are you intentional about finishing a song? Yeah, because I know how I'm wired. I'm much more prone to go back to a song if I have most of it finished and rewrite it than I am if I have like two or three lines and then I'm just, I don't remember enough of it to even revisit it. Um, And I'm, I'm one of those people who has to put myself in logistical situations to go against my weaknesses. So like finishing songs, like that's why I try to finish them. And then if they're really good, hopefully the other two guys in the room or two girls in the room will be like, we need to finish this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's finish that. How's it go again? <laughs> so it's like I'm, but probably like for full songs, easily well over 50. A year. Uh, at least that. Maybe yeah. more like 150. Are they, how many of them are co-writing versus on your own? 95% at least. Are co-writing? Co-writes. Um, how are we on time? We're done. <laughs> Highly advised co-writing, though. Yeah. Makes you better. What do you do with real quick? I'm sorry. But what do you do with ideas you come up with on your own? Take co-writes. Yeah. Yeah, I brought a write-in. I was in today with Jason Gray and a guy named Jordan Malowski. And um, I've been having, I've just been, like, one of my life prayers is, Lord, don't let me be a cautionary tale. And I, I, don't, I mean in silly stuff. Like, Lord, don't let me have a car wreck while I'm on my phone. Like, don't let me be, you know, have you ever seen the Darwin Awards? Like, I don't want to die a Darwin Award. Um, but, I, you know, my whole prayer has been, like, Lord, just, like, with all the stuff we've been seeing with pastors and all that, it's been, like, just let me finish well. And so I've been chewing on that, and I just took it in the ride and was like, and I know Jason real well. I was like, man, this feels like something. And so we wrote it. So you can't, like, certain ideas I won't take because they're too personal, but some ideas I'm like, no, these guys will help me say this thing, and I feel like it'll work for that artist. Mm -hmm. So, guys, thank you. Sorry I was so rapid fire. I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for us. If you're a songwriter and you're resonating with any of what you heard today, we'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to some folks in our community. All of our podcast interviews and guest lectures come from either our Writing Club monthly breakouts or our annual Writing Worship Conference. Check out the show notes to learn how to get more involved with Writing Club, our mentorship taught by our founder, Chrissy Nordoff, or stuff we talked about in today's episode. 
Find us on Facebook at the Writing Worship Community, on Instagram at writingworship.co, and our website, writingworship.co. We love meeting new folks and supporting songwriters, so be sure to stop in, say hello, and get to know us a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, uh, drumroll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.